You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, last week we uh, started talking about a new, a new character, a character found in the Old Testament, uh, one of the kings of Judah. That uh, when Israel split after King Solomon, uh, there's Israel to the north, the ten kingdoms, and the two kingdoms to the south uh, was Judah, and, and this is the 13th king in the series of the kings of Judah. Uh, his name is Hezekiah, and he comes from a line of pretty apathetic uh, faith, religious uh, ancestors, right? That his great-grandpa, we looked at his great-grandpa and his grandpa and his great-great-grandpa, all were, were followers, believers in God, but, but not passionate, not, not uh, willing to, to live a life for God and, and not willing to point others to God. And then you get to his daddy, and his dad was one messed up man. Like his dad sacrificed some of his brothers and sisters to, to a pagan god. His dad uh, closed the temple gates. His dad, temple doors, nailed them shut. Uh, Ahaz was a horrible person. And then you get Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had a choice to, to follow in this line or to live differently. And so last week we looked at Hezekiah and this, this desire to live differently, this passion to live differently. And, and I love Hezekiah's example and Hezekiah's life. And this week we're going to look at Hezekiah was dependent on God. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited this past week as I was studying and I was looking, it meant a lot to me because this idea of being dependent on God in the good times and the bad times isn't always easy. I don't know about you, but, but for me, it's not always easy that in the bad times, when we're facing uh, uh, hardships, when we're facing illnesses, to depend on God instead of depending on everything else that we could turn to, it's hard. In the times of good times, when, when everything's going well, to, to find our self-worth in God instead of just uh, finding our worth in our accomplishments and our goals, it's hard. And so this week, we're going to look at Hezekiah and this example of depending on God. So often we, we turn to other things, right, for our, our dependence. I, I don't know about you, some of these I think are going to hit home, probably not all of them, but some of them are going to, are going to hit home of things that we turn to for our comfort, things that we turn to in times of good times and bad times, things we turn to to, to find our self-worth, things we turn to to find our our personal value. One of those things might be wealth, right? That often we turn to, to wealth as, as an example of, of what makes us worthwhile, that we turn to our money and our, what our bank account says about us. And, and rather that, like I said, in good times and bad, perhaps your bank account is overflowing and, and you, you can check in every time on the ATM and you're just like, man, this is amazing. If that's you, I hate you. But, uh, but if, if it's not, then, then you also know that you, you see, like, you check in and it's, it's zero or it's negative somehow. And it's just like, what? How is this possible? And then we get so caught up in that instead of relying that God would take care of us into the future, right? Perhaps maybe we, it's not always bad things that we depend on, but that we find our self-worth in, in our goals, in our accomplishments, Perhaps that, that school degree that, that you've worked so hard on and everything in your mind is consumed about that or that promotion or perhaps just finally achieving this, this role of being a, a mom or a dad that you wanted and that everything that we've been gearing towards looks like that. That instead of finding ourselves as, as a child of God or as a Christian, 
We see ourselves as this accomplishment, this goal. Perhaps, maybe, uh, like I said, it's not always bad. Maybe our self-worth is found in, in our health. That we are, are so consumed with working out that, that that becomes who we are. That becomes our focus in everything. And not that it's bad to, to work out or be healthy, but sometimes we get so caught up in that diet and this counting of calories or steps, or we get so caught up in this workout that that is what consumes us, that we'd put more time to working out than we would ever think of putting into reading the Bible. Or perhaps we find our dependence in our fixes, in our addictions. Perhaps we find our dependence in, in who we are, that when we're in times of struggle, that we turn to those for comfort. Whether it's a, a quick hit or a drink, perhaps it's time on a, on a computer, perhaps it's just getting lost in social media to try to block out the world and go numb. That we turn to these things to find our dependence. And we're going to see something different in this keen Hezekiah. In the back, I was just sitting there thinking, he, he ruled over Israel for 25 years. And, and during that time, he probably was thinking, I'm trying to do my best for, for Israel. Maybe he's even thinking that I'm trying to set an example for my kids. Little did he know, he'd be setting an example for us thousands of years later. And it wasn't because it's about Hezekiah that we are continuing to pursue his story. It's because of his dependence on God. God is the center of this. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Hezekiah's story is found in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. We're going to start in 2 Kings chapter 18. And we see this in this passage about Hezekiah. Second Kings chapter 18, verses 5 through 8. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands that the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territories. We read this passage, and, and it's easy for us to focus on the back part of that passage, right? We see all these successes of Hezekiah. Look at what he accomplished. Look what he did. Everything he did was successful, everything that he undertook. You know those people in your life that, that they just seem to have that golden touch, right? That, that everything they do works out perfect for them. That, that the family works out perfect, work works out perfect, that, that everything works out great for them. This was Hezekiah. Hezekiah probably always hit the, the home run on the, on the softball team. Hezekiah probably always caught the biggest fish. Everything seemed to work out perfect for Hezekiah. And when we see those people... If you think about those people in your life, not always, but often, when I think about those people in my life, those are the people that are walking close to the Lord. That we see these successful attributes in this passage, and in verses 7 and 8, it talks about all that Hezekiah accomplished. But we got to go back and look at verses 5 and 6 to find out why. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord, and he did not stop following him, and he kept the commands of the Lord had given to Moses. He did these things. He trusted in God. There's a, a phrase, you have my word on it, or trust me. 
And whenever we hear these things, it usually comes after somebody's lying to you, right? If we watch, uh, watch TV, watch, uh, I hate to say it, but watch a politician or, or just perhaps in conversation with friends, they say, oh, trust me, yeah, I'm not lying here. And it usually means they're, they're lying here, right? And this is just human nature. We actually see this. Uh, Jesus talks about this in John uh, chapter 8, verse 44. He tells the people, you belong to the Father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I hate to admit it, but, but sometimes that's our human nature. It's to get out of something, it's to, to try to convince someone of something, to bend the truth, to lie. It makes it hard to depend on someone when you've caught them in a lie. Right? It makes it hard to, to trust them, to, to depend on what they say or what they do. You know they're not even trustworthy to their word. But look at that verse and compare it to this one, what we see in Psalms 138 about God. David says, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. That what God has told us, that this, this Bible that we, we carry, this Bible that we have on our app, is trustworthy enough to be on the same level as the name of God. This is where we should turn for our dependence. Not these things that we so often turn to, these things that can let us down, but turn to God. I love how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 10, verse 11. He says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That we are to believe in God, and God will take care of us. That we are to believe in Jesus, and we will not be put to shame. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we get everything we ever want. It doesn't mean everything works out perfect, but it means our salvation is secure if we believe in Jesus. That we have eternity in heaven with God, and there's nothing greater than that. So Hezekiah was dependent on the Lord. So what does that look like? It says he held fast to the Lord, did not stop following him, and he kept his commandments that God had given him. I love this part about keeping his commandments. When you, when you think about his ancestors, these are not godly people, right? The example he had before him, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, uh, and his great-great-grandfather were just ambivalent about God. And then his dad turned away from God. And his dad reigned most of Hezekiah's life. So where did he start turning to the Lord? Where did he turn to the commands? There had to have been someone in his life that was bringing him closer to God, pointing out the scriptures. And because it says that he held fast to the commandments that God had. As I said, Hezekiah's story is in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. And in 2 Chronicles, it says this, chapter 29, verse 7, it says, um, they also talk about what they did when, when Hezekiah was bringing the people back to the Lord. It says, they also shut, down the, they shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense, or this is what they did under Ahaz, I'm sorry. They shut down the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offering to the sec- to the, at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. It talks about that Hezekiah knew these things. How did he know that these were even supposed to happen? How did he know that there was a portico? Because he read in God's word the layout of the temple. 
Remember, Ahaz has already locked the door shut. No one's been in there for, for, for years. And yet, Hezekiah knows what they've done. He knows that they've put out the, the, the lamps that were burning. He knows that they've stopped doing incense to the Lord. He knows all this because he's been following God's word. He even continues on, Hezekiah says in verse 10, Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. How does he even know this attribute of God? That God is a covenant God. That God makes promises with his people. Because he was turning to the word of God. When it talks about that he was seeking to follow the commands of God, those ones given to Moses, it's talking that he sought out the scripture and he was following. He had a knowledge of what God was doing. Do we have that? Do we seek to have a knowledge and understanding of God? That in the midst of good times and bad times, where are we turning for strength and, and support and comfort? Often we're turning to these instead of turning to his word. We looked at a few things that, that we turn to and we're dependent, but there's a few things that I thought of also. And there's obviously material possessions, right? That there's, there's things. We so often turn to things that, that when times are rough, when we're struggling, when we're depressed, let me go shopping. Maybe if I get that car, maybe if I get that new purse, maybe if I, I just have that new meal, everything would be better. Sometimes well, we, we find our dependence, our, our safety net, in safety, in, in the fact that when instead of relying on God, we rely on our, our home and our car and, and relying on these things that, that are good and, and safe for us. But we don't rely on God to protect us, God to provide, God to care for us. Not everything that we rely on often is bad. For example, we, we often rely on our work, right? That we rely on uh, our, our income, we rely on our status at our jobs. This is where we find our self-worth. I don't know how many people that when I introduce, them, and I introduce myself and then they introduce themselves, the first thing they do is tell me what they do for a living. But this is who they are. It's consumed in this job. Sometimes... We find our dependence in people, maybe in spouses. This is why this one goes on top. Sarah will appreciate that. All right, that, that this is my, uh, my weakness, right? That in time, hard times and, and times that I'm just down, times that I'm, I'm disappointed, times that I'm scared, I often turn to Sarah. I often turn to my kids for comfort and joy instead of turning to the Lord. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps it's, it, it's people, perhaps it's a spouse, perhaps it's a relationship that, that isn't God-fearing, that isn't God-glorifying, and yet we turn to that. Sometimes even, we turn to th good things, like the church. Instead of having our dependence on a relationship with God, we think that we are good Christians and everything will work out if we attend church, if we do that check mark, if we avoid these one bad behaviors that we know we're not supposed to do. And somehow we put this in our mind that, that now everything's good instead of depending on the Lord, instead of having a relationship with him. And so Hezekiah is looking at this and he sees all these looks around and there was no different in the biblical times. There was no different that Hezekiah looks around and he sees all these things going on in Jerusalem that the people are turning to instead of turning to God. Instead of turning to Yahweh, he sees that they've created new altars and they've created new idols. 
He sees that they're worshiping the pagan gods from foreign countries and that this has infiltrated his town and his country. Even inside the city walls, this is what they're now doing. And so he looks around and he sees people are turning to other things to find their self-worth, to find their comfort, to find their encouragement, to find their safety, instead of ever turning to Yahweh. It says in 2 Kings chapter 18, what did he do about this? He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asher poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehashtan. He did, what he did is he took the, the things that they had been turning to for strength, and he smashed them. He broke them. He took down the Asherah pole. He took down the idols and the altars to these other gods and completely destroyed them. Did that upset a lot of people? Probably. But it, did it also keep them from being able to turn back? Yeah. Now the only option was to turn to God. And I love this example he has, because I think this is something in our life that, that we could do. How often do we say, hey, we're, we're going to follow God, and I'm going to let go of, of the, this other thing, but, but we lead a, a path back to it, right? Like that person trying to quit smoking that leaves a few cigarettes hidden around the house just for the hard days. That, you always, that we're leaving a path back instead of smashing the Asherah poles and, and breaking to pieces, everything that we are depending on. Maybe we need to get rid of that relationship that's ungodly. Maybe we, we need to, to reset our priorities and completely change things in our life to make God a priority over work or, or over anything else. Perhaps we need to make some changes, as Hezekiah did. Big changes that keep us from returning back to the way it was. In, uh, in the New Testament, we have this parable that Jesus tells. It's a neat one. It's one you've probably heard about, but it's about two houses. And Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What is our foundation? The reality is, if you look at this wall, there's a lot of good things on here, there's some bad things. But each one of these could fail us. Each one of these could disappear. Each one of these could disappoint us, but not God, right? As that Psalms, Psalm 138 said that God's word is trustworthy, that it's held up high. God is not going to fail us. These things will. And so when we look at these two houses, which one are we building our house on? This is a, a real question for each one of us. Like I said, as, as I was writing this, I, I know so many times that when I'm just feeling down or disappointed, I, I turn to people instead of saying, you know what, maybe I need to pray. Maybe I just need to spend some time in God's word. Maybe I need to just go on a walk and, and just spend some time with God. 
What are you doing? Where is your foundation? Are we building our dependence on God, our dependence for comfort, for strength, for support, for love, for care, for security, for wisdom? Are we building it on a foundation that, that will fail? Like I said, uh, one of our examples is church, right? That sometimes in our walk with God, even, even our time at, at church gets so caught up in, in the things, is, gets caught up in, I'm, man, I love this, this worship team. They sounded good. Everything sounds, did you hear that guitar solo? I love the drums. And we get caught up in that. Perhaps we get caught up in, in the motion backgrounds and we get caught up in all these things. And, and sometimes we just need to strip it down to get rid of these things that we're focusing on and, and focus on God, whether that be in our life or maybe be here at church. This morning, we're going to have a time of worship, and we've kind of stripped it all down to just the bare basis. We've stripped it down to the things that God has or the things that we could just spend some time with God instead of getting caught up in the extras, the videos or the extra sound and just spend some time with the Lord this morning. And this is one example of a desire for us to spend some time with and spend some time with God in our life, to find dependence on God. As you go about this week, as, as you leave here maybe this morning, is one of these an area that you're building your foundation on? And if so, what would it look like to build your foundation on God instead? There's a passage that Hezekiah shares. After he's torn this down and he's brought the people to, to God, they've opened the temple doors and, and they've brought worship back and, and he's, he's cleaned it out and he's relit the, the lamps and they're burning incense to the God and, and they're doing these things that are coming back to the Lord. They're refocusing on him. And there's this passage in 2 Chronicles and it's kind of long, but I want to share with you this whole thing. If you can get this vision, if you can get this idea, since Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offerings on the altar. As the offering began, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets and instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship while the musicians played and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was complete. So you see the scene, music's playing and all the people are there and, and they've sacrificed the burnt offering. They're coming before the Lord. It says, when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshiped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and the Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshiped. And so their act was to, to get on their knees to worship him, to sing to him. And then it says, then Hezekiah said, you have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offering to the temple of the Lord. So the whole assembly brought sacrifices and thanks offerings. And all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. I love that scene. They've got rid of all these things. And now they're just focused on God. And he tells them all, tells everybody, those of you that want to worship, now's your chance. And I love that last line, all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offering. This morning we have an opportunity to worship and just worship with a heart that's willing, 
worship completely to the one that we should build our foundation on. And so if you'll stand with me, we're going to spend some time of just intimate worship, you and God. Close your eyes if you need and ignore the people around you. This is you and God. This is our opportunity to worship him with a willing heart. This is our opportunity to maybe spend some time in prayer to set things straight. I don't know where you're at this morning, but maybe this is hit home and you know fully well your foundation is not on God. You find your safety, your comfort, your security not in God. You find your worth, your, your value, your love not in God, but in something here or maybe one that you've thought of. And I want to encourage you this morning during this time of worship, set that straight and begin to build your house on God. Begin to build your house on Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. Lord, we come to you right now and pray that we could follow this example of Hezekiah to tear down those things that we often turn to. God, if that means relationships are changing, if that means priorities change, if that means uh, God rearranging our life to make you the priority, encourage us to do so, to follow that lead. God, you are the one that will be there for us through the ends of time. All these things that we so often depend on will fail us, but you never will, and we thank you for that. We thank you for that covenant promise that you are there for us, and all those that profess who you are, that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Messiah, Son of God, that he died and rose again for our sins, that we will be saved. God, let us build our foundation on the one true cornerstone on you alone.